Hallelujah. Amen. So by the grace of God, today I will be teaching in continuation. I know some people have been asking, ah, this year, what, what was happening? There's a culture that every year we declare what the theme of the year is. Amen. And I want to tell you that God is already in the year. Hallelujah. So, let us not be too methodical. Hmm? Okay, let us not be used to a method and then forget about, you know, the essence of why we gather. Hallelujah. God does not, God does not live in time. Amen? Time and season is for us, for men. But God lives outside time. So, he does his things even beyond things that we can understand and comprehend. Just want you to trust, you know, the message this morning is a continuation of what we've been doing. We've been talking about giving and receiving. And by the grace of God today, I want to apologize for offending you once again. <clears throat> that I'm going to do it once more on a bit of a softer note. And I trust that God will give us understanding his word in Jesus' name. So today we're going to be looking at the blessings, the blessedness rather, of receiving We've been talking about giving, giving, how we should give, when we should give, to who we should give to. So today we're going to look at the blessedness of what? Of receiving. What does it mean to receive? What does it mean to be blessed? Before then, we have to look at how we should give. First of all, I want to just address a little bit of how we should give. Because we've talked about who we should give to, right? Where we should give to. But it's very important that even before we talk about the blessedness of receiving, let's look at how. Because there's a way you give that is acceptable and is glorifying to God. Hallelujah. I think this speaker is distracting me. Yeah. So there's a way we give that is, is, uh, is acceptable to God. There's a way we give that is acceptable to God. And the way we give that really is not acceptable to God. How should a Christian give? First of all, a Christian gives by first giving himself. Amen? You cannot give your resources and then your life does not belong to God. Hallelujah. So the first thing to do is to do what? To offer our lives. First of all, in, in Genesis, we saw where Cain and Abel gave an offering to God. And the record there, the testimony of God in that part of the scripture is that God had regard for Abel, right? And then for his offering. Hallelujah. First of all, God will accept the person and then the offering he gives. Back in Sunday school, we were told that Cain and Abel brought different offerings to God. One was rotten and dirty. One was the, the, the most... The worst of all the offering. They painted of a picture for us that what was given was actually rotten and spoiled. Because he was a farmer. So he looked for the one that is bad, the one that is, is not eatable. And then he come to present it to God and God rejected because God does not eat something that is bad. But when we grow in the church, we later learn that actually that is not true. It's not accurate. That's what I want to say. First of all, the condition of the man was very crucial to the acceptance of the gift that he brings. Hallelujah. So God had regard for Abel and he accepted his offering. And God did not have regard for Cain. Therefore, his offering was not accepted. Hallelujah. 
So first and foremost, we give ourselves, our lives to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, quickly. Amplified. So we can establish this and go into the blessedness of giving. Of receiving, rather. Moreover, now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the grace of God which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia, awakening in them a longing to contribute. For during an ordeal of severe distress, now, you give at all times, because these men, they are a practical example for us. In a moment of severe distress, their abundant joy and their deep poverty together overflowed in wealth of their lavish generosity. So they gave even when they were in poverty. Hallelujah. They gave even when they barely can survive. They were willing to give even with the meager that they have. So giving actually streams out of the generous, generosity of the heart of a person. It's not about how much you have. But it's about the generosity of your heart and how much you're able to contribute. For doing an audit, yes, the next verse, verse 3. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily begging us insistently for the privilege of participating in service for the support of the saints in Jerusalem. So they see or they saw giving, right? They gave voluntarily. They saw it as a privilege to participate in meeting the needs of the saints. Begging us insistently, they insisted that see, our giving must be, must, 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 must reach you. Even though we know, yes, we are poor materially, but we are rich in Christ, we want to, in any, in any way possible, meet your need as well. For the privilege of participating in a service, a sea giving as a service, for the support of the saints in Jerusalem, verse 5, the last verse here. Not only did they give materially as we had hoped, but first, what did they do? They gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his representatives by the will of God, disregarding their personal interests and giving as much as they possible could. They gave themselves first. Hallelujah. Now, a man that can give his life to Christ is a man that already has received the life of Christ. We've established this here in this church as, as someone that is not born again, you don't have anything to offer to God. What you need to do is to come and receive. Amen? So as you receive the life of God and you become alive, what you do is that you you surrender yourself as a living sacrifice to him. Hallelujah. So if a way of a man pleases God, even his giving will please the Lord. Amen? So first of all, it's very important that we establish this fact. You cannot be deliberately living in immorality and think that you can bribe God by giving. Hallelujah. You know, I've heard some things that's very common on this island some years back. They say that, you know, those, these are brothers and sisters that they are very good at taking money that is not their own. I don't use the word. But when they take the money that is not their own, it's what they call washing it, right? They will find a place where they can give in church so that God can now bless their household. And everything that they have gotten ill, gotten, will now become miraculously pure because they've given a portion to God. Now, this is, this, this, this is, this is the lies from the, from the pit of hell. Hallelujah. You cannot be deliberately stealing from people. You see, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked. 
by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside, he inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. If you try to fool God, what are you doing? You are inevitably fooling yourself. Hallelujah. You are inevitably deluding yourself. For whatever a man sows, that only is what he will reap. If you sow to carnality, what you reap is carnality. If you sow to the spirit, what you reap is spiritual. You cannot scam or steal from someone or get money through prostitution or any ungodly means and expect a true giving to church, to your pastor. You know, so is it your, to your pastor or any believer in church as we've taught on how to give. Any kind of charity. Then your ways will now be accepted by God because you've given. All your deeds, all your mis- mischievous ways of, of earning is now, you know, okay and it's accepted so long as you give. And that has been the wrong doctrine and wrong teaching that we've, we've, we've seen around and about us. Now, there's no reward for this kind of giving. Hallelujah. There's no reward for this kind of giving. Secondly, we must not put a show. And we're talking about how to give, right? We must not put a show while we give. Our giving must be done secretly and what? And privately. Amen? You know, so many of us, the social media has helped us so much with publicity that when we give, we make sure that everybody that is on our status knows that we've given. Let's read Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. If it's possible, I want you to, 1 to 4. If it's possible, I want you to put, you know, Amplified and LLT together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Take care not to do your good deeds publicly or before men in order to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward reserved for and waiting for you, waiting you with and from your Father who is in heaven. Let me read the NLT, then we'll move to the next verse. Watch out, don't watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly. To be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Second verse. First, whenever you give to the poor, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and the street like, like to do, they may, that they may be recognized and honored and praised by men. You know, the reason why some people give is that men will see them give. That they may be recognized the name may be praised, that their image before people will be, will be seen as good and, 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 and great. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full already. And the NLT says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue, streets to all attention, to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will, they will ever get. But when you give to charity, when you give to someone in need, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing by giving. Right? The next verse. So that your deeds of charity may be secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Also, when you pray, no, let me stop you. Hallelujah. So our giving must not be for sure. Amen. Must not be for sure, but must be in secret that he who sees in secret will now bless us. Hallelujah. And then our giving must be generous, not stingily, 
must be cheerful. That is without grumbling. Some people give as a matter of, you know, they give as though they are not happy of giving. Willfully, right? Without coercion. They don't need to add up a blessing to give him before you give. I told you last week that I learned the difference between coercion and giving bribe. Amen? And I learned that when you are coerced, you can be coerced with a doctrine to give. Don't wait until they begin to use, you know, blessings and miracles and curses before you are asked, before you are motivated to give. Hallelujah. So our giving must be what? Cheerfully. Must be happily. Must be, you know, generously. And not stingily. Hallelujah. The blessedness of receiving. Now let's look at an example in Paul. We read earlier on in Philippians chapter 4 from verse 11 to the end. Now Paul walked with his hand in order to meet the needs of others and himself. There were times in Paul's life that he was all sufficient by himself. Supplying the needs of himself and also the needs of others. We can look at this in Acts Quickly, Acts chapter 20, verse 33. Acts chapter 20, verse 33. It says, I have coveted no one's silver, nor gold, or apparel. 34. Yes, you yourself know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. So Paul walked with his hand. Hallelujah. Even as a minister of the gospel, as an apostle, he walked with his hands to provide for himself. Right? And also for the needs of others. Yes, you yourself know that these hands are provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. Verse 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to do what? To give than what? Than to receive. Of course, if you, if you, are, if you are a recipient, you are blessed. Hallelujah. But it's more blessed to do what? To give. It's more enriching to give than actually to receive. Hallelujah. So Paul here set an example in what he preached and what he teaches. By he himself working with his hands to make ends neat and also supply for the needs of those who are weak. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 12 is another place where he was talking about this teaching them with his life. He says, and we labor, that is he and his, 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 his co-laborers in the, in the gospel. And we labor working with our hands, with our own hands. Hallelujah. Very specifically, they labor working with their own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure. So Paul here is emphasizing again, I see we work with our own hands. We use our hands to work, to make ends neat. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 8. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. You know, in Nigeria there's a word they call a wolf. We like free things. And every opportunity you have, you just need everything to be free. Hallelujah. That's not godly. I'll tell you this, that's not godly. For we did not eat anyone's bread free of charge. But walk with labor... And toil night and day that we may not be a burden to any one of you. Hallelujah. 
he walked with his hands. So there were times that Paul was actually walking and making ends neat, supplying for himself and supplying the needs of others. So Paul knew clearly that how to make money is through industry. Amen? How to make money is where? It's through industry. Even though Paul would have sold a seed of 1,000, 2,000 to make money. Hallelujah. So how to make money is not by sowing seed to a church. Hallelujah. How to make money is not by giving to church or to any man of God that you will be rich. It's by what? It's by industry. It's by working with your own hands to make ends neat and also meet the needs of others. Hallelujah. So this should be established and we should be reminded of, about this. God blesses the works of our hands. God blesses the works of our hands. Whatever God, you know, whatever we do with our hands, God blesses it. Thereby multiplying. He gives, he, it is he who gives us the strength, the power to do what? To create wealth. Hallelujah. He gives us the ability. He gives us the, 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 the enablement within us to what? To create wealth. Hallelujah. So Paul was a giver. Amen. Can we say Paul was a giver? Paul was a giver. But yet he received. Amen. Now we're creating a balance here. Paul was a giver, but yet he did what? He received. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 20 was where we read. In verses 10, give me verses 10 to 13 of Philippians 4, where we read earlier on. We will see that Paul has learned to live in plenty as well as in lack. Hallelujah. He has learned to live in what? In plenty, in abundance. And he has also learned to live in lack. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me flourish again. Though you surely did care, but you lack the opportunity. So here, Paul was at a point where he is in need right now. Amen? And the, the, and the, and, and the church, the people of God were able to meet his needs. Verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned... Hallelujah. I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? To be content. I know how to be abased. That is to lack. That is to, 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 to be hungry. And I know how to what? To abound. That is to have plenty. You know, some of us know how to, our life is, we are looking so happy whenever we have abundance. When we have abundance, you know, we, we seem to be very joyful. Our prayer life is quite easy. We don't pray shouting and screaming. We don't even fast and pray well. We have plenty. But the moment we don't have, that's where our spirituality skyrockets to another level. I've said this and I'll keep saying this. The lack of and the presence of resources in your life should not dictate your joy, your happiness, your relationship with God should not, should not even determine your value. How you rate yourself. Hallelujah. 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 So he says, I have no how to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere, not in, in Nigeria, you knew how to abase and abound. In Cyprus, you also know how to abase and to abound. In Liberia, wherever you are, you know how to do what? You know how to abase and to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I have learned but to be full and to be hungry, but to abound and to serve a need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. And we said earlier on, 
subsequent uh, the previous teachings that this I can do all things. It's talking about abounding, and it's talking about what abasing. Amen. Because let me tell you, it's not everything you can do, right? There are some things that you cannot do because you have not given you, to you. It's not given to do those things. Hallelujah. But here, contextually, it's talking about what learning how to be content in all situations, in all times. In all seasons, you can be joyful even in lack. That's what it means. You have all the grace to be joyful and happy even in lack. And you have all the cause to remain humble and joyful and stable when you have plenty. You have the ability in you because Christ lives in you. So we must learn to be contented. We can do all things through Christ who sent in us. Let's look at the danger of lack of contentment in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 to 11 quickly. See, now, godliness with contentment, the Bible says what? Is great gain. It's great gain. For we brought nothing in this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Have you ever seen a man buried? Even though they do it in some African cultures, they bury you with car, or they bury you with some certain things. But have you ever seen a man dying, and then he, his spirit goes away with everything he has to heaven? You came naked. The Bible says, and you return naked. Hallelujah. So why do you spend all your life pursuing something that you live on earth? That you don't need it where you are going to. Why do you become so disturbed and so, you know, pained when you don't get things, material things? Having food and clothing with this, we shall be what? We shall be content. You have the basic necessities of needs. You should be well, you should be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lust, which drawn men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root, the genesis of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through the, with many sorrow. Verse 11. But you, the believer, O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Hallelujah. We must learn to be contented with what God has blessed us with. This is the reason why many of us are restless. We are depressed. And we are in trouble, oftentimes lacking peace and stability. Because we don't want to be contented with what God has blessed us with. So Paul, I've learned to be contented. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. I'll read it. 4, verse 14 to 16. We'll see that a time came when Paul was in need. He received help from other people. He was supported by other people. That's what it means. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared with my distress. He didn't say, no, 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 you know, I don't receive things from people. Uh, this thing, I don't want to be a burden to you. So this is my personal problem. What did he do? He received help. Hallelujah. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and what? And receiving but you only. And we said that this giving and receiving is that they gave to Paul and Paul received from them. Hallelujah. They gave and Paul received. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid 
once again for my necessities. So this church did not help him only once, but they helped him several times when he was in need. But we saw earlier on that he was not a lazy man. Amen? We saw earlier on that he walked with his hands to meet his own needs. Hallelujah. Now, verse 18. Paul likened the gifts as a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto God. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And we could see the same word used in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. You know, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, talking about a sweet-smelling fragrance. It says, but do not forget to do good and to do what? And to share for with such sacrifice, sharing is a sacrifice that pleases God. Hallelujah. It's a sacrifice that does, that does what? That pleases God. So when you receive, what you do is that you are, you are accepting a sacrifice on behalf of God. Amen? Let me repeat that again. When you receive from a believer, you are accepting a sacrifice on behalf of God. Hallelujah. You are receiving a sacrifice on behalf of God. When you reject, it simply means that you are, reject, you are, you are rejecting a sacrifice on behalf of God. So when you receive, you accept a sacrifice on behalf of God. This is the giver's act of worship that pleases the Lord. So giving, we said, is an act of worship. It's an expression of worship, right? So when I give to you, I'm expressing worship to God. So when you don't give me the opportunity to give, then you are denying me the opportunity to express worship by giving. Hallelujah. So receiving from people is what is actually receiving on behalf of God, the act of worship, sacrifice rather, on behalf of God. The worship goes to God and the sacrifice you received it on behalf of God. Your needs are met. Hallelujah. In receiving someone gifts, you receive sacrifice unto God, but the worship, as I said, goes to God. Then verse 19, you know, talks about the supply. It says, but I especially urge you, no, no, no. Philippians, yes, for verse 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is one of the most abused verses. Amen. We infuse what it is not saying. Now the supply here is their liberality in giving. Their ability to give sacrificially and not money or material things coming to them. Hallelujah. God making them able to give liberally. Why did I say so? The supply of our material need cannot be a product of our giving. Amen? If until we give before God can supply our needs, then it dent the character of God. Our need is supplied by God without condition. Hallelujah. First of all, the, sun, the Bible says the sun rises and it sets. The rain falls on both the wicked and the godly. Isn't it? Have you ever gone out and you see that there is sun on your own house and because someone is not born again, then the sun did not shine on his house. Have you seen that happen before? 
Have you ever seen rain falls on the farm? Maybe a righteous man and unrighteous man farms, and then rain falls from heaven. And then there's a segregation that it only falls on the farm of the righteous and neglected the one that is unborn again. That is the graciousness of God. So we cannot attach our, 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 our fathers given to us, you know, based on our experience of human relationship. Perhaps, you know, you receiving from your biological father is because you've been in good, in good terms with him. Amen? But God cannot be seen in that light. He is ever generous. Therefore, his generosity to us is not conditioned to our giving to him. Hallelujah. So our needs is supplied by God without condition because God is a loving and generous father. We sang about his generosity to us. Therefore, the supply of our needs is not transactional with God. Amen? Our supply of need is not transactional with God. God remains faithful and he will ensure that all your needs are met according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. So what is the effect of giving and receiving in the church? What does giving, I give and you receive, what effect does it have in the church? Now, giving and receiving ensures equality in the church. It ensures what? Equality in the church. It equalizes conditions of people in the church. How? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 8 rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11 to 15. It says, but now you also must complete doing of it. That as there was a readiness to, to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have, you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. Hallelujah. Verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased, and you would, and you burdened. We established last week that none of us should be a burden to one, to another person here. Right? Don't take advantage of somebody because of generosity, because of their willingness to give. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. That is not the meaning. That is not the meaning of equality we're talking about here. But by an what? But by an equality that now as time, your abundance, look at this carefully, carefully here. Your abundance may supply their lack. You have plenty at this point in time. It will supply the lack of those in need. Their abundance also will supply your lack. That there may be what? There may be equality. Hallelujah. It means, therefore, is that there are times that you will lack. Even as we saw in the life of Paul, there was a time that he was in need. And then the, the abundance of the believers met his, met his needs. So also there will be a time where you will be in abundance, right? And then you will also meet the needs of what of others so that nobody will lack the basic necessity of life. Hallelujah. Amen. So giving and receiving brings about this equality in the household of God that we're able to share things. Look at Acts chapter 11 verse 27. We we'll see another situation where the church sent aid to those who are in lack. Acts 11:27. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, look at what they did. Because they knew that there was famine elsewhere, there was hunger. What did they do? 
Each according to his ability. See, always is according to your ability. Don't give what you don't have. Hallelujah. Don't give what you cannot afford. That's what I'm saying here. According to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in, 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 where? in Judea. So their abundance meets the lack that is in other believers. So as we share, as we give and receive, what we do is that we are equalizing our situations. Hallelujah. Amen. So in this life, I want you to remember that tables can turn. Alright? And indeed, in this life, tables turns. Today you have, tomorrow you don't have. But with or without, you must, we must ensure that our needs are met by what? By meeting the needs of one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Today you will have, tomorrow you will lack. Wealth is what? It's uncertain. Amen. Wealth is uncertain. I want you to note that word very clearly. First Timothy 6 verse 17. We saw it earlier on, right? First Timothy, okay. First Timothy 6 17. You know, it says wealth is what? It's uncertain. That means that you cannot predict what wealth, what direction wealth will go. First Timothy 6 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be proud, nor to trust in what? In uncertain riches. But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Riches is uncertain. Hallelujah. You can have today and then recession will come and wipe it off. So if your faith and your heart is on your riches, then you are the most miserable person. Hallelujah. And let me predict to Ross, it's not prophetic word, but it's an analysis economically, that there will be recession in many countries this year. Amen? There will be a recession in many countries this year, 2023. It's there. Go and look at IMF. You see those predictions. When it happens, you know, it doesn't change our joy and our happiness. Hallelujah. Because our heart, right, is not grounded, is not rooted in uncertain riches. Today you have, tomorrow you don't have. Amen. Amen. So, it is not to strip, you see, it is not to strip the rich of resources and give to the poor. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not saying that, oh, those who are rich, let's take from them. And then now we now give to the poor. That is not the system we are, we are talking about. It's not, you know, the rich giving their fair share of, of, of accumulating wealth. To be rich is not a crime to be rich. Hallelujah. But what we are communicating here is that in giving and receiving, we ensure that nobody lacks the basic necessities of needs. Nobody what lacks the basic necessity of needs. That no one lacks ensures that no one lacks in the basic necessity of needs of life. And that is what God wants from us to take care of one of taking care of one another. Hallelujah. Now, things we must not for application. Paul learns to, to receive help. Amen. Paul did what? He learned to receive help. We must also learn to receive help from the brethren. Learn to be helped. Hallelujah. Say, I will learn to be helped. I learn to be helped. I learn to receive help. Yes, that's the right word. I learn to receive help from people. You are not a superman. You are not a superwoman. Hallelujah. No matter how rich you are, there's something definitely you will lack. And the person that will meet your needs is a brother and sister in Christ. So we must be humble to do what? To receive 
from people. Hallelujah. When I receive her, it is an opportunity for the giver to abound as well in grace. It is an opportunity for he who is given to abound in grace, to express worship, to grow in grace. Hallelujah. That he might, it, is, it, is, it causes the giver to act in a way of worship. That's what we're saying. We receive from people, not because the gift is small or big. No matter the size of the gift, nothing is too small to be received. You know, some of us, without, because of pride, ah, no, 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 just, just leave it. No, you know, it doesn't matter. No, no, come on. You don't need to give me. It's okay. I, I'm okay. But indeed, you need it. And your pride won't let you to collect it. And you stop the brother from expressing worship by his you know, giving to you. Sometimes you may not even need it. But allow the person to have the opportunity to what to give. Not because, you know, not because without him giving you, you will die. Hallelujah. Because the brother wants to express worship to God. The brother, the sister wants to be blessed by you. Hallelujah. So we must learn, as we've been teaching you how to give, you must also learn to do what to receive from people. No matter the size, whether it is big or it is small, we must learn to receive. There's no limit to giving. There's no limit to the amount of what you can give. So also, there's no limit to receiving. When I mean limit, I mean the higher limit or the lower limit. Hallelujah. Giving, as giving is for God, receiving also is of God. As giving is of God, Receiving is also of God. Both ways expresses the nature and the character of God. Most importantly, giving destroys selfishness in us. When you give, right, it weakens the power of selfishness. Deeply in your heart, if you discover that you are selfish, one way, right, after praying for God to help you to, to take away selfishness, Look for someone to give. Practice giving. That is selflessness. Practice to give. Hallelujah. For this will do what? We will destroy selfishness in us. Receiving on the other hand destroys pride and arrogance. Amen. It humbles you. It takes away pride and arrogance. It means that you can receive from people. It means that you, you need help. That is what it means. Any man that wakes up and then, and then says to himself that he needs no help from no man is a man that even God cannot help. Amen? Is a man that God cannot help. Do you know what it means? It means that God opposes you. That's what the Bible says about the proud, right? If you cannot tell people you, you, are, you have a need, it means... Hmm? It means that you are proud. It's not humility. It means that you on your own, you are proud. If you cannot tell brothers, brethren, see, I have need. I don't have food in my house. See, I don't have clothes. See, I don't have this. I don't have that. Please, do you have enough in you to help me? It means that you have pride issues. That's the definition of that situation. And one way to deal with that pride is to learn how to ask. And it shall be given unto you. Hallelujah. So, 
The result of pride is evident in scriptures. Proverbs 3.34. Quickly, Proverbs 3.34. Surely. Give me an LT, please. Yes. The Lord mocks the mocker. That is someone who is full of pride, the scornful. But is gracious to who? To he who is humble, right? That means he's able to receive the grace of God. He who is humble. Hallelujah. Now, uh, Proverbs 29.23. Proverbs 29.23. Proverbs 29.23. The poor and the oppressor have this in common. 23, not 13. Yes. Pride ends in what? In humiliation. Right? When you say, no, I don't need help from no man. I said, even God cannot help, me, cannot help you because the help of God comes but through men, right? So humiliation will be on your way. While humility brings what? It brings honor. It brings honor. Hallelujah. Matthew 23, verse 12. Matthew 23, verse 12. Matthew 23, verse 12. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So which one do you prefer? To be humbled or to be exalted? James chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives us even more grace to stand Against such evil desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Last scripture. First Peter 5, verse 5. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you serve each other in what? In humility. For God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Hallelujah. In receiving, you give God a channel to answer your prayer. Amen. You see, no matter how you pray, you're not humble to receive from men. You delay the performance of what you've prayed for. It means that even when help is come, you won't receive it. Sometimes, it will come even from the least of the people you expect from. It could even come from someone that you've so disrespected in your heart. Not with your mouth. Someone that you've so much humiliated in your heart. Can anything, come, can anything good come out of this person? Oftentimes, you know, God wants to ensure, right, that when he does something, it's something that surprises us. Amen? Something that, you know, cannot be done ordinarily. And he uses even people that are less, that you can see them as less privileged. This we saw in scripture, they were poor, they were in severe poverty. But what happened? They were able to meet the needs of the saints. Hallelujah. So one way of honoring one another is by giving and receiving. I give, you receive in honor, in thanksgiving unto God, in worship to God. I have in abundance, I'm able to give to you in worship to God, in honor in honor to God and in meeting your needs. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's close our eyes.
and say, Father, I receive the ability to be humbled. The grace, O oh Lord, to receive from people, most especially from the brethren. The grace to allow myself to, to be blessed by others. Just open up and talk to God. For this understanding about receiving, that I give and I also receive.